and welcome to Lit by Moonlight, where it's not a phase to be unable to exist sanely under conditions of absolute reality. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't done that in a long time. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about Shirley Jackson's Haunting of Hill House. In said book, Eleanor Vance is leaving, right? She's finally leaving. She's taking the car she owns half of with her sister and driving to Hill House. What could possibly go wrong when journeys end and lovers meeting? And so far, she's met Theo, Luke, and Dr. Montague, who all seem like lovely people. However, Eleanor cannot say the same about Hill House, which is, in a word, horrible. Shirley Jackson tells us better than anyone what it's like. She says, Hill House, not sane, stood by itself against its hills, holding darkness within. And it stood so for 80 years and might stand for 80 more. Within, walls continued upright, brick met neatly, floors were firm and doors were sensibly shut. Silence lay steadily against the wood and stone of Hill House, and whatever walked there walked alone. I'm Caitlin, and there is nothing better than falling asleep to the sounds of pouring rain. It's true. And other true. news, I slept fantastically last night. <laughs> I woke up in the middle of the night and I just, you know, heard pouring rain. And I, I literally I thought to myself, I'm like, that's the good shit. And I slept mm-hmm. so soundly. Yeah, I'm really enjoying this fall weather. I feel like I this, is, this is where I'm, I'm meant to be. This is where I'm meant to, to exist. For This is the best like season. An extended period of time. Yeah. Um, I'm Emberlyn, and I'm cosplaying as Theodora today because I want to both be her and I want her. And yeah, that's valid. That's I think both of those are fair things to desire. <laughs> You're killing it. I know. So, starting with the big question of this book, we're jumping right into our spooktacular oh. Icto- booktober. Wait, oh, I see what you October. mean. October. Spook. <laughs> I don't remember my own marketing. Spooktacular. October. <laughs> somewhere in there is um the word spooktacular Spook. and somewhere in there is the word book you know, and somewhere in there is the word October. I appreciate it because we could have easily said booktober, but I like spooktober. Spook- it is good. Spook- Hold on, I can get it. Spooktacular October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that really wiggles my wagon. <laughs> yeah. We made a choice. We made a choice. <laughs> I like the choice. It is a good choice. I think it was your idea. So, because I don't probably know what come up with spectacular, but to- I was like, I don't think I even know how to make words go together that way. So, yeah, no, that work. has Caitlin written all over it. So, yeah, Great work. I was gonna say you really seem to like it. So, I have a feeling it was you. <laughs> I don't remember saying making this up when we were going through all of this way back in March, but yeah, I. I it, it seems like something I would come up with. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so as I was saying, we're diving in, right? We're, we're going to be reading horror novels, essentially, all month. Ah. Um, four of them, to be exact, because there's like four months in October-ish, maybe more. It, there should be four months in October. Four weeks, four years, whatever. <laughs> Time is a social construct. Time is a construct. And as we dive into October, I'm curious to know, I think we all are, <laughs> um, for the sake of, of, of this spooky time of year, what scares you, Caitlin? Uh, 
Let's unpack this. No. <laughs> um, as far as like like in general, I mean, in I guess within the constraints of the horror genre, both film and literature. Well, well, for but for you can li- go there if you want to. No, we don't have time to unpack all that. <laughs> um, uh, for the, for books, uh, this is actually the first book that I've ever read in the horror genre. Um, I've just never really taken the time to go and read a horror novel because it's not that I don't like horror it's just or scary stuff in general it's just that I usually gravitate more towards film for that because mm. I feel like if I'm seeing it it scares me more than just reading it um I that's an assumption I've made about myself considering this is the first <laughs> first uh, uh novel that I've read in the horror genre but that being said if something's gonna scare me it has to be like really convincing story um which like duh but with horror I feel like oftentimes it's easy for me to not be scared because I feel like this sounds like horror doesn't scare me (laughs) like like it does it does trust me but oftentimes for me it's easy for me to not be scared because I could just be like "Ah, that's not real because it's just not but if it's still a good story I'll be invested and that's why for movies I enjoy the psychological horror as Mm. well because usually they're based on something in real life that could actually happen and that's mm. what scares me because it's like ah this could happen to you and I'm just want to be like no I don't want it to <laughs> please stop right right uh and I also I like the the trope I guess in horror where um there's something that's coming after you but it's slow and it takes oh. its time because no matter how fast or far you run it knows it's gonna get to you anyway and just the thought of something like constantly after you that's terrifying so it is it is disjointing it is scary like i feel like there's some classic examples of that like um we watched this the other day but like us where it's pretty clear that the tethers well no spoilers if you've never seen us please um i don't know fast forward a little bit yeah. But, like, it's pretty clear that the tethers are coming for the people who are, like, above ground. Mm-hmm. And, like, the whole movie from kind of the start-ish. Yeah. And that's what makes it so interesting is, like, the whole movie, you're kind of just like, when are they, like, they going to show up? And they do, and you're like, ah! Like, you're, you still you expect it, but it's still terrifying. Oh, that movie was so good. Uh, I mean, I'm saying nothing new here, but it was just freaking phenomenal oh my god when like the little girl just starts running and then like the tethered version of her is just like yeah take your time i'm gonna catch up to you anyway yeah she's just like <laughs> she was her whole face she was like mm. <laughs> not impressed <laughs> yeah. P- pffr p fucking for real <laughs> like i'm coming for you bitch and yeah, that was creepy i yeah so us is a very good example of that also get out yeah, Get Out was another one where it was like you kind of knew something was coming, you kind of knew something was going to happen. You get that in the very beginning with like the run rabbit scene. Yeah. Um, but then later on it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you better, you better run. Yeah. Um, psychological thriller, well, horror, not thriller, is one of my favorite subgenres. Um, I feel like anything that evokes and it feels like it's not just a story but also like a work of art where there's been yeah. like clear attention played like for example by Jordan Peele with most of his films all of his films to like the lighting the right camera angles etc like amazing 
yeah amazing like some of the best work I think in horror that I know of um, yeah same another thing that gets me is um gothic horror I love gothic horror like I love like black and white uh or like Victorian era stories like um Crimson Peak Turn of the Screw Vit have you ever seen I almost said Vitch Witch um <laughs> Vitch really really gets me going but nothing really has taken me there like a good haunted house mm-hmm. and that's why I am so fucking excited for us to talk about Haunting of Hill House today and I yeah think that gives us a good opportunity to transition into um talking a little bit more about that now Woo-hoo. so let's let's get into it let's do it was there a specific moment in this book that hooked you I don't think there was a moment I think from the beginning what causes me to gravitate toward this book is Eleanor's internal dialogue mm-hmm. um when she's driving to Hill House there's just something about the way she describes the trees and the two lions and the life she's never had that is like really haunting and thought-provoking and like scary to me because there's kind of a part of you I think when you're first reading that's like oh she's different <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> she's an odd she's an oddball um <laughs> but there's also something a bit relatable about that yearning for this life that you could have um I'll read you a little excerpt from the book on the way into town she says I could live there all alone she thought slowing the car to look down the winding garden path to the small blue front door with perfectly a white cat on the step no one would ever find me there either behind all of those roses and just to make sure I would plant oleanders by the road I will light a fire for the cool evenings and toast apples at my own hearth I will raise white cats and sew white curtains for the windows and sometimes come out of my door to go to the store to buy cinnamon and tea and thread Maybe people will come to me to have their fortunes told, and I will brew love potions for sad maidens. I will have a robin, and then she kind of trails off. And I have that highlighted in my book like a million times over, like with <laughs> scribbles, because ah! like, <laughs> I can't give you like, I can't fully articulate, I don't think I'll ever be able to fully articulate the mix of feelings that that line gives me, those lines give me. It's like, warmth and coziness but also kind of like sadness and like grief yeah because it's like you know everyone daydreams of like a life that like oh if I lived there this is what I would do and this is what my life would be like and like even though like it maybe it's not completely attainable I feel like I feel like for Eleanor in this moment it's like she's she's been wanting to get away for so long just like trying to dream herself of this nice life where she can be just happy and content it's mm-hmm. just it's really sad knowing that she doesn't get that and apparently I can't articulate my feelings about it either but I know what you're saying right like I think you're you're summing it up right like what she's the yearning what, what makes yeah like what makes what she's talking about sad <clears throat> is that it's not real and that's like the central horror of this book for me is that the life Eleanor dreams of having doesn't mm-hmm. exist um she only really has the tragedy of her past as her mother's caretaker and the remnants of that life that she can't possibly put back in together into something that resembles what she's describing here since she's now heading to hill house right um she's like kind of doomed from the beginning and it's sad it's like oh like you are walking into it (laughs) (laughs) Um, don't think too hard on that dream because you're not gonna see it some dreams are meant to stay dreams (laughs) (laughs) 
baby. Um, was there, what was your hook for this book? What really got you interested and made you want to keep reading? Uh, well, what got me hooked actually was that it was going to be completely different from the Haunting of Hill House story that I knew, which mm. came from the Netflix series that came out uh, in 2018. Uh, I knew I knew this was a book, so I just assumed that the series would was adapted like from that exactly. I if I knew at one point that it wasn't an actual adaptation, I completely forgot. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but immediately like I because I started reading this book and I was like, I know this story. It'll be interesting to get the the book version of it. And then I started reading and it immediately became apparent, hey, this is not the same thing as the show, which mm. I was like cool because I thought I knew how it was going to go but then it was like a whole new story for me so that in and of itself was was the hook for it for me yeah I remember when I first read it for the for the first time as well um just being like this is a completely different direction than I thought it was going because I saw Mike Flanagan's series first yeah and I love Mike Flanagan series and I'm excited because we'll probably dive into that more later on in the episode but Mm -hmm. um it's definitely one of those things where I came into it with one idea of how it was going to go and it went in a very different direction, but it was a direction that I was like really interested in and liked a lot. Um, yeah. So I'm with you there. As you were reading the book, Caitlin, were there any lines that stuck out to you? Did you find yourself highlighting anything um, that resonated with you? Yeah, I actually highlighted a lot in this book. There was uh-huh. just some really good lines, but I narrowed it down to two. Um, the first one was... Uh, Eleanor saying, I think I'm going to cry, she thought, like a child sobbing and wailing. I don't like it here. And this is when Eleanor is inside Hill House for the first time, and I really, really liked it because of the feelings it evoked. And reading it, I was like, ooh, here we go. It's time for this spooky news. And you can just feel how uneasy Eleanor is, especially Mm -hmm. because she compares herself to a crying child. Um, I like that because I feel like everyone, when we're at our most uncomfortable or scared we revert back to like a childlike vulnerability of wanting to just go home or wanting your mom or dad or parent or whatever and Mm -hmm. so when Eleanor says I don't like it here it's so very much like her going I want to go home and it makes me really sad for her because like she could but she can't because this is her escape from the life that she doesn't want to be in which anymore (laughs) which really sucks (laughs) it's like it's like, hey, like, do you want to have? Do you want to go back to the um, worse outcome or the other worse outcome? Like, yeah. which bad outcome do you want? <laughs> there is no escape. No, we can't escape. Wishes. We cannot come out. <laughs> Mama. Mama. No, um, but it's just so sad when she like just at anything when everyone's just like, I just like someone just says, I just want to go home. Like that sentence to me is just so sad. Because it's yeah. just like you're you're yearning for it, and Eleanor is a lot of yearning. Um, yeah. So just when she's just like, and it, it's in italics. I don't like it here. I'm like, oh baby. <laughs> and what makes it even sadder is like she clearly goes into this with like a very childlike innocence about her, maybe yeah. because of how sheltered she is by just like living as her mom's caretaker for so long. Yeah. Like so she's already in like way like in way over her head, right? Oh, one hundred percent. Like. It, it does it's not looking good i feel like it would be like if you threw one of the westboro baptist church kids from youth group right into like a pride parade and you were like best wishes and <laughs> kindest regards um which i respect 
but um here it's sad because oh, this 100%. girl's so underdeveloped in her like perception of the world and now it's worse for her yeah she's just going through it and then the second quote i had was the spirits dwelling in this house may be actually suffering because they are aware you are afraid of them and i love this so much because genuinely i've always felt bad for ghosts <laughs> that are just like chilling or listen i believe in ghosts 100 percent. you cannot convince me otherwise mm. um and I, I always feel bad for the ghosts because that are just like chilling or they're lost and just not doing any harm to you. But people are so terrified of them. Like imagine being a ghost. You're unable to move on completely yet. And you're trying to find peace. And the place you're stuck in is full of people who are terrified of you. But you can't reason with them and be like, no, it's fine. I'm just chilling for a little bit. I'm not ready to go. <laughs> like right. you can't communicate. And um, I also just like the that I like that the line gave some personification to the ghosts living in Hill House as if they're not actually the antagonists that we have thus far believed them to be in the story. Mm. Like, I like that um, it, Mrs. Montague is the one who's saying this line. Like, I like that she's just like, have you thought about their feelings? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, chill out, Eleanor. Like, it's not, it's not always about you. <laughs> it never is, but <laughs> this time it really isn't. But, like, I just maybe... Uh, maybe think about ghosts and sometimes I just want them to know hey if, if you're here like the ghosts that came with me from my cousin's house they're my yeah. friend yeah. <laughs> that yeah. old guy they're just chilling they're, as long as here? they're not causing you harm they're fine I literally love the prospect of us like selling shirts on Etsy that are like any ghosts here any <laughs> ghosts here <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're a ghost you're my friend if you're a ghost we're friends <laughs> no question about it one thing about me is all my friends are ghosts they're dead <laughs> oh my god um that makes so many things like makes so much more sense like why i kept walking through the wall the other day <laughs> huh. sorry sorry you had to find no, out this way <laughs> it's all good i mean we're friends so it works out yeah yeah yeah, yeah. at least you got a friend out of it <laughs> exactly the whole being a ghost thing there's like a matching shirt that says i am a ghost and she is my friend <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I'm with my ghost friend, and then, like, pointing, and then the other one says, I'm yeah. the ghost friend. I'm the ghost friend. Yes. Oh, my God. Yep. 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 So, did you have any favorite quotes from Haunting of Hill House? Kind of go along with what you said about Eleanor and how, like, lonely and, like, kind of childlike she is. Um, this quote is from when Eleanor is sitting at the, I think it was, like, the diner, and she was having yeah. having coffee, and there's this little girl with her parents who doesn't want the milk that her parents are trying to give her. And her mom says calmly, she wants her cup of stars. And Eleanor thought, indeed, so do I. A cup of stars, of course. And the mother goes on to explain that it's this cup where if she drinks from it in the very bottom, there's like a design of some stars in it, which is so cool. Yeah. May or may not have bought that on Etsy after, uh, <laughs> after reading that line. So Eleanor's response is, don't do it. Insist on your cup of stars. Once they've trapped you into being like everyone else, you will never see your little cup of stars again. Don't do it. And the little girl glanced at her and smiled a little subtle, dimpling, wholly comprehending smile and shook her head stubbornly at the glass. Brave girl, Eleanor thought. Wise, brave girl. And I distinctly remember having to like sit with that line for like several minutes after reading oh. it. Because it just like eats away at you. Isn't that what we all want? Is our little cup of stars? Yeah. I wanted it so bad I got it on Etsy after this. <laughs> But it's sadder when you think about who's saying it because it's this young woman who's, like, incredibly sheltered and, like, has this very childlike innocence about the world. 
um, that like totally blinds her from being able to see things the way they are. And it's too late for her cup of stars, basically. Like it's too mm-hmm. late for her home with the white lions. She's cursed in the beginning, and I feel like that's what you learn from the scene, and it like or like it kind of hints at, and it makes you sad. Like it is so sad when you have a character who's just doomed from the start because it's like yeah. it doesn't matter what happens in the story; it's not going to end well for them, and it's just. It's so good, but it's so sad. <laughs> I don't it's like good it. because it's rare. I feel like a lot of the books yeah. I read now, they're like, and everybody actually lived at the end. And I'm like, ah. Oh. Like, sometimes which is, I love that. Which is great. Sometimes yeah. I need that. Like, when someone's like, everyone lived except for this person. I'm just like, why? Why was yeah, yeah. there? Yeah, but, the main person. And they're like, there's no sequel. I'm like, even better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I like the, uh, you know, branching out in that genre but oh my it's just it's just sad this is like no matter what happens throughout the story they're gonna die at the end isn't there there's a book that called they they both die in the end correct there is yeah yeah i haven't read it because the title makes me sad alone so (laughs) like oh i know how it ends i don't need to does some foreshadowing (laughs) yeah What if what if that book is just like they both die at the end? You read it and you, at the end, it's just like psych. <laughs> they live. The worst part is you know what you're getting. It's like with the song of Achilles. Like everybody knows what happens to fucking Achilles, but you're still like, what if it's what if it's different this time? Well, that's why that's why that book really threw me for a loop because I'm just like, oh, I know Achilles dies, and this that book is told from Patroclus's perspective, and then spoiler alert. Patroclus dies first and I was like huh no literally that's my favorite thing about reading or like watching historical fiction is it's like you kind of I mean for the most part you kind of know what happens like yeah. it's nice when they throw a little curveball in there but like I'm literally rewatching the crown right now and I'm like just sitting here like <laughs> maybe it'll be different this time <laughs> <laughs> nothing bad happened to Diana ever no she's here with us she's yeah. and so what my therapist is like and is princess diana in the room with you now <laughs> and i'm like yeah she's my she's my ghost friend <laughs> i told you all my ghosts are friends all of my friends are ghosts and all of my ghosts are friends so so okay in the book there's this great scene it's kind of been um not imitated it's it's been recreated many times in in um film and, and television adaptions of the haunting mm-hmm. um where Eleanor is kind of like waltzing through the house kind of yeah. maybe possibly to her death um no don't say that <laughs> what song would you waltz to through the halls of hill house um I would waltz to although it's not really a waltzy song maybe more of a slow dance through the halls of hill house yeah um if I go I'm going by Gregory Allen Isakov and it it did actually um I was like I was like, oh, I know it's going to be that song. So I feel like that's just perfect for Hill House. And then I remembered it played during the last episode of the Netflix series. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just a perfect song it is. for that story. And also just for slow dancing in general, I feel like it's I feel like it's just very emotional. There's something kind of nostalgic about it. Mm-hmm. And so if I had to waltz through the halls of Hill House, it would be that. But hopefully I wouldn't be waltzing through the walls of Hill House because I kind of don't want to go there. <laughs> the, I don't really want to go to Hill House, first and foremost. Yeah. I love, I you know how you, I was thinking this the other day, you know it's fall when the Gregory Allen Isakov comes out because yeah. that's when you're, I think I listen, I, I was on the back porch gardening yesterday and I realized at some point that I had been listening to the same song on repeat for like 
three hours without any without realizing is Amsterdam and oh my God, just yeah. the entire like and I was like this is great and then at one point I looked at the clock and I was like three hours later and I was like it's six o'clock and I've been listening to this forever great I love that you didn't notice <laughs> just like an endless yeah. loop yeah endless <laughs> loop of of Gregory Allen Isakov which is, sounds kind of haunting too honestly um great choice though great choice especially for fall yeah um mine was thanks for the dance by leonard cohen uh Mm. who is by the way like so fascinating like i recommend dipping into his wikipedia page um but the song is such a great representation of the role that the dance plays in the book's lore like the dance from one room to another the images of nell spinning through the house a little delirious as she makes her way to the tower i felt um i just was like wow I feel like just the imagery of like someone dancing because it's something that's so like carefree and like this is how you express yourself. But the mm-hmm. fact that she's doing it and she's not completely like present mm. is just like it's something. <laughs> I can't I can't find the words, but it's just it's haunting in itself. Or it's like you have co- total con not even control, but like you're doing all of this with your body and yet you're not here. Yeah, and I think about like Flanagan's interpretation of that scene where he interlays that with um, Eleanor's husband in their yeah. wedding dance yeah. in in the show, which in you know in in the show obviously Eleanor is married, gets married and has kind of a full life before she doesn't anymore. Um, and it, I remember sobbing like a baby uh, for that scene. Yeah, um, so much, so <laughs> yeah. much, a lot, like. Ow. That's all. <laughs> Great review. Ow. Ow. <laughs> That's how I felt, though. It's just, ow. Mm, like, ooh, right in my heart. In my abdomen. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much for this. In my tear ducts. Cool. <laughs> so what character would you give a lovely little cup of stars to? Um, Probably Eleanor, um, because she's so vulnerable the house knows this. That's why it chooses her. Um, right. She arrives with her heart on her sleeve and this aforementioned innocence about things and, and like hopefulness and blind hopefulness, really. And the house was essentially like, not today, bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah. best wishes, warmest regards. And then it proceeded to drive her madder than she already probably was, which is like, why? Really sad. Yeah. Feels feels a little ableist if you ask me <laughs> just wanna might be taking up a disability a, a, a an ada and a, a case with the uh the haunting of hill house with the hill house yeah, it's gonna be emberlin legia versus the haunting of hill house versus, versus the hill house hill. the haunting of hill house the, ha- the people that haunt hill house yeah i just want to talk you know we said that ghosts are our friends but those ghosts are not our friends no not ada compliant come on <laughs> let people who are already like going through it not have to go through more things right that's my hot take kind of controversial <laughs> but nah you know i mean to ruffle any feathers here but yeah <laughs> stop so how about you uh i also said eleanor because she just needs a hug and a friend yeah and maybe some tea in her cup of stars like uh. <laughs> it just I just like the entire book I just wanted to take her and be like I'm gonna take you out of this house 
and you were gonna get you a nice little apartment and you're mm-hmm. gonna be alone not alone but like with a friend you're gonna be by yourself you're gonna have a whole new life for the rest of your life and it's gonna be great and you're gonna be happy yeah yeah but um unfortunately she were she was words on a page and i am me so <laughs> i couldn't do that for her <laughs> so what uh what character would you like to watch die <laughs> <laughs> I like that that's the question, like the question, like, well, who do you want to watch die? I don't remember <laughs> if I ever like changed this from the last time I asked this question, which I think was maybe for like, what we do in the shadows or something. Because, like, <laughs> oh, like, I think that's what it was. Because I'm like, why would I even ask you that? Because um, I, re- I read that today and I was just like, who do I get to watch die? Hmm, nobody, but that makes sense because it's ghosts. So I'll go with it. That. Yeah, that's weird. Um, <laughs> I'm, I feel like. I don't dislike any characters in this book, really. Yeah, not same. Not really. Not really. Like, I feel like there aren't a lot of books where it's like, this person sucks. Like, this person mm-hmm. deserves to be, like, honorable mention for the cruel prince. Um, That's and, probably the only book we reviewed where we're like, now this person sucks. <laughs> yeah, like, that just needs to be put down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not so much here. Not, not, it's really um, a, more, a bit more complicated here. But I guess I'm incensed to hate the familiar trauma bonds in the book, which seem to play like a big role in some of the hauntings. Like there's Eleanor, her mother, and her sister. There's Hugh Crane and his children and dead wives. There's the professor and his dick of a wife. Um, There's a lot of tension and control in these relationships that I think the house really feeds off of because those bonds are what have in turn made the house horrible. Um, And like... That's something that you see really transposed well in Mike Flanagan's series and that you, I think you really don't see so much in like the original film, like the haunting film from 1963, but like is very present in the book, I think. And, and like it yeah. makes me miserable. Like I'm just like, oh, <laughs> like God, fam, it's, it all comes back to family. It all comes back to blood and that can, it's just so miserable. Like, ah, oh, like where was Dr. Phil? Where's Dr. Phil when you Where need was him? he in in uh God, where was this like rural Pennsylvania in nineteen sixty nineteen fifty something? Yeah. Jesus. What's his excuse? What's his Damn excuse? It. None, I bet. <laughs> How about you? Did you like want watch anybody die apparently? <laughs> Uh, no, I, I mean, I was on the same page as you. Like, there wasn't anybody where I was just like, man, this character sucks. Um, but maybe, like, Hugh Crane for that weird book that he left for his daughters. I think it was him who did it. It was, like, all of those scary drawings of, like, the seven deadly sins. Yeah. <laughs> that he would, like, have to make them, like, read to bed at night. Like, um, I mean, he do be dead already, so I guess, like, we're good there. <laughs> but, yeah. Um... He didn't seem like the greatest person. No. Uh, but no, there, there really wasn't a character that made me go, eh, I don't like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like, yeah, this isn't one of those books. It's very short. It's It reads more like a short story maybe than yeah. like a full-on novella, which is great. Like, because I, you know, I don't want to, sometimes I don't want to read 700 pages. Um, yeah. But then in, the, in turn, I think it's, you're not going to have like your black and white villain all the time right. or somebody that you read enough of to get sick of yeah i mean we'll keep it positive then let's talk about our <laughs> peaks and valleys um what was your oh first peak about this book uh my first peak was that i loved finding all of the lines and the parallels in the book that was incorporated in the show um i don't know if i've said this already but i 
freaking love the show <laughs> on Netflix. It's so good. I love that even though the Netflix show wasn't a direct adaptation, it still used so much from the original novel. That So that was really cool. Um, the obvious examples being Hill House itself, obviously, um, and the names of the characters like Eleanor, Theodora, Luke, Mr. and Mrs. Dudley, Hugh Crane, I think even Dr. Montague was in the show as well. And then Eleanor, her last name is Vance, um, so we saw that as well. There are so many lines that came from the book that were used in the show, um, like the opening and the closing line, the insist on your cup of stars, um, but even like ones that you wouldn't even think of that weren't like super important I feel like to the plot like there's a line when Theo says like, in the book that she threw a brick through a greenhouse window and says that she thought about it for a while and then she says but also the lovely crash which in the show Theo says that mm-hmm. um and it's just like that didn't necessarily have to be in there but like it is and I just think that's cool like that they use even like the non-important lines and then yeah. journeys end and lovers meeting and then come home Eleanor on the walls or yeah. bring home Eleanor like it was like creepy but like cool and I, I just thought it was really cool uh I, Theo in general was well adapted in the show because she had basically all the same mannerisms attitude as the book Theo right down to her telepathic abilities and even her sexuality which I thought was really cool hmm. how they adapted it I love the imagery of dancing throughout Hill House because as we were talking before that was such a prominent scene in the show for when Nellie goes back to Hill House and Mm. she dances through with the people who aren't actually there and it's so sad oh in the book there's a scene where Eleanor thinks that she's holding Theo's hand but turns out to be a phantom and then there's a super similar scene where Theo thinks she's holding Nellie's hand and oh it's like so creepy but so well done and I just think it's really cool when the people creating an adaptation an adaptation of something pay attention to the details of the things they're adapting and they clearly cared so like they were creating their own story but they cared so much about what they were taking it from from and what it was deriving from so I really uh, respect Mike Flanagan and everybody else who worked on the show for that yeah I I find that like terms of like book adaptations this was one of my favorites because while it didn't exactly like transfer from the source material it didn't matter because they still told a really interesting story like and because I feel like the haunting has been adapted so many other times it's like okay now it's gonna be a Netflix series I don't can I watch this same plot again for the fourth time and the answer is no you don't have to we'll create something different with that uses a lot of the same themes but like overall the message is there and I was, like, really happy about that because I mm-hmm. think it made it more adaptable for, like, younger audiences that maybe haven't read the original book and, and haven't um, either, A, might not be interested in watching a movie from 1963 or, B, watching a really bad movie from 1999. <laughs> um, so I'm really, really glad that we have been able to, like, her work continues to live on through this new medium. It's really exciting. Um, yeah. And we'll talk more, I think, about the show in a little bit. But I'm just glad that you were able to pick out so many ways in which the book and and the movie, or the book and yeah, the book and the television show work together. It was know? it was insane. Like there'd be things that I'd be reading. I'm like, this is so familiar. Or like, oh my god, Shirley said this, or oh mm-hmm. Stephen said this, or just even like little things where there was a line about someone wanting to burn down Hill House and not thinking that it actually would burn and I'm just like yeah Luke tried to burn down the Hill House and it did not go down yeah. <laughs> like just all there, like every page there was something that they used and I think that was really cool yeah yeah it's it's I think 
you can definitely tell that like the Flanagan and the writers really appreciated the book and yeah. like respected Shirley Jackson as a writer and that's what they thought about when they adapted so and yeah we were going to talk a little bit here later about how the show compares to a book but it might be better for us to maybe like think about that a little now while we're on might the as well if we're already talking about it <laughs> you said that you really appreciated that there was so much that was adapted so well talk more about that yeah it just the attention to detail was really good and honestly just this is going to turn me turn, talking about the show now because i love it so much um it's i feel like i i don't usually seek out horror and watch it by myself because who does but um it's not just something where I'm like oh I have time to watch something let me watch a horror movie like I just don't go to that unless like it's specifically October and my friends and I are getting together and watching horror movies Mm -hmm. uh but I remember when Hill House came out I was just like oh this is um what everyone's talking about and it's fall time so I feel like you know what I'm gonna be with the times and I'm gonna actually like sit down and watch this scary show and so I sat down to watch the scary show and I came for the spooks and I stayed for the emotional toll it took on me (laughs) (laughs) because this show is so freaking heavy Mm -hmm. um it deals with a lot of heavy topics and just grief and its effects on people and it's it's so in my opinion so well done and it genuinely is just such a sad story so if you don't want to watch a sad story don't watch it you will not be happy um but I just I just thought the story was so interesting I loved how like so there's five siblings and like each episode starts it starts with the oldest sibling and then it focuses on Steven, and then Shirley, and then Theo, and then Luke, and then Nell. Like, it, it focuses so much on the characters, not only as adults, but as children. And it's also mm-hmm. one of the best casted shows I've seen in my life because most of the kids all look like they could grow up to be exactly like their adult counterpart is. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was wild. Um, and just the way, like, I feel like sometimes when you have a story that's like, oh, we're going to focus on this character as a child, like, and they go back and forth. Like, it doesn't always read well, because sometimes I'm like, okay, why do I need this scene? It doesn't matter. Or, oh, my God, why are we going back to when they're kids? Like, I don't care. Like, I already know how this turns out. But, like, it's a mystery for it, too, because you're trying to piece together, like, what happened to their mom? And then what actually happened to Nellie? And then what's going on with the house? And, like, they, they go back and forth so often between the them as kids and then them as adults and but it's just also seamless mm-hmm. and it it's all pieced together really well and what the way it comes together like it really does pay off and then take a lot of good artistic liberties with it too because episode six is like comprised of maybe like three continuous shots throughout the entire episode it cuts between um the present day crane family at the mm-hmm. funeral home and then to them as kids when there's like a really big storm happening and it's just so seamless like when you're watching it for the first time you don't notice it and maybe if you don't look for it you won't notice it but like after a while you're like they haven't made a cut at all which I thought was just really cool and like really was really cool storytelling to go back and forth and I just I feel like that that episode in itself was a work of art um and then another like fun thing that I really liked about this show was that there are hidden ghosts throughout the entire 
series Mm -hmm. that are just there in the background which I think is the coolest element ever because that's how ghosts are in real life like you're not looking for them they're just kind of there right and so I thought that was like a really cool detail they're like either you see them or you don't but if you see them they're gonna spook you and like half the times I was spooked was just from like accidentally noticing something in the background where I'm like oh that thing moved or what just went past the camera or oh my god there's a face behind the ladder thing oh Mm -hmm. do you not see that it's just so creepy I don't know if any of that was really articulate. I just really, really like the show. And I genuinely want to watch it again. Like, I've watched it three times. Mm-hmm. And I don't do that often for this genre. I usually watch it, like, especially with shows. and just like, okay, that was cool. But, like, this one is just, like, every year I come back to it where I'm just like, oh, this is so sad, but it's so good. Yeah, it, it really, like, it's probably one of the better Netflix shows by far. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if you've seen Bly Manor or like Midnight Mass or anything that Mike Flanagan has done, in addition to this, they're all really good series. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of attention to storytelling and like character development that I feel like isn't there with a lot of other shows on Netflix. So it's definitely one of his, one of, one of their best. Um, it's very creepy. It's very strange. Um, I feel like, uh, Mike Flanagan is kind of like a genius when it comes to creating emotional horror stories. Like I felt so immersed in the Haunting of Hill House show, um, though it departs significantly from the source material in terms of kind of the dynamics of the characters in the book. Yeah. Um, like with a lot of these additional familial elements of the story that I didn't know I needed or wanted to be consumed by. Yeah. Um, something I, I I pointed this out about the book, but something that I definitely think Flanagan focuses a lot in in this series is family trauma cycles and it's really painful like you said it's a really hard watch um I don't think I could name any more realistic horror story than just like being stuck in some sort of trauma bond with your family like your siblings Mm -hmm. and your parents so the fact that he kind of brings that out and it's like this is happening oh oh yeah and there's ghosts everywhere it sucks yeah like, on, on top of awful. all of the shit that you're dealing with there's also ghosts <laughs> like great great how how does it fucking get worse you know and especially yeah. when a lot of these ghosts are like manifestations of the grief of people who have lived in the house or of the cranes and it's just like out like why yeah stop yeah. um yeah and then I also felt like his conceptualization of Nell is very interesting. Like in the show, she's isolated by her visions of the bent neck lady, so much so that no one believes her until it's too late. And there were times after watching some of her larger episodes that I just remember sitting with my tea and staring at the wall because there's nothing more jarring than her story. It's really like deeply sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's so sad. I feel like one of the sadder moments for me was at the end of episode six where so like the family's in the funeral home with um and Nellie's like you know in the casket and the casket falls over and then we get like this voiceover and it cuts back to um little Nellie when she she got lost in the house and then she was saying like um I was right here and you guys couldn't see me I was like shouting and yelling and you couldn't see me you just hear her voice and then it pans over and you just see the ghost of Nellie by her casket when she was trying to get their attention but they couldn't see her and it gives me chills every time I watch it because it's just so sad (laughs) and it's just it's so beautifully done but oh my god I literally like today I was like I really want to I I watched the 1963 
the haunting movie and then I was like I really want to rewatch some parts of Hill House but like I don't have enough time to do it so I rewatched um these two guys I watch on YouTube who reacted to the entire series and I was like I'm just gonna watch that and then like even just watching them watch that episode like I got chills at the end and I was just like I just want to cry this is so sad it sucks like it sucks dude oh um and I but I there's something about like I think that's like the opinion of her character right is like she is tragic her life is tragic um Flanagan talks in an interview about how in the book when Eleanor comes to the house um she's goes from this completely contained and insular existence to what she perceives as the expansive world around her and it's just another box for her and um that was like a big thing for the writers was um kind of capturing this theme of the psychological safe spaces that we make for ourselves and our family members and how much of a challenge it is to tear them down um so i loved that that was something that really inspired them that Shirley Jackson put in their heads and they were able to use that in the writer's room um so yeah I think that's what makes it such a good show I I think that there's clear respect for the source material and Mm -hmm. I love that yeah I love that (laughs) um because like Shirley in the novel Shirley Jackson not Shirley (laughs) in the show she's telling us about this completely repressed young girl who's nowhere near devolved enough for the horrific reality of Hill House and it's like watching someone experience just like a nightmare um yeah and i remember i wrote like this is so silly but i wrote it's like watching a spring flower exist in a drought for the first time or the winter's first Uh snowflake fall in hell and it really does feel like that like this person who it's kind of like that it's a like one of those overarching themes that you'll hear about and you might have heard about in our last series about school like books (laughs) be read in school which is loss of innocence like that's a really big theme in a lot of english teachers minds um but like it is really really sad um and I just feel I feel bad like I feel nothing but empathy for her and and sympathy that like that's the way her life goes yeah and I think it really says something to Shirley Jackson's writing that you feel so much for this character yeah you've only known her for such a it's it's a short novel like it's only like maybe is it a couple hundred pages at most yeah but you just immediately just want to take her and wrap her up in a blanket and be like, it's okay, come with me, you'll be safe. Yes. <laughs> be warm. Yes. Like, oh, poor baby. Now, you mentioned that you also got to watch The Haunting the night from 1963 today. I did. How was that? It was good. It was good. I, you know, um, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty well done um, for a 1963 novel, or novel, um, book, I, I have to admit, like, with older movies, I, I can get pretty distracted easily. Um, I can get distracted easily in general. But I it, it followed the book, like, wonderfully. Um, it was weird to me that they changed... Maybe it was, like, a copyright thing, but they changed, like, the weirdest things. Like, instead yeah. of Eleanor Vance, she was Eleanor, Eleanor Lance. Lance. Yeah. And Dr. Montague had a different name that started with an M. It was just, like, little little things where I'm just like, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, Hill House stood for 90 years. And I'm like, no, it was 80, but good try, I guess. Like, close enough. Highly specific little things here and there. Yeah, I just... I don't know if it was just something to do with I don't know it, I was like that was odd to me but uh with older movies like that um it, it's pretty straightforward and um I you know I knew how it was gonna end because I did just read the book so I wasn't like 
paying full attention to it and then um you know some some of the effects were a little cheesy for the time um so like I feel like I'd like to I'd like to talk to somebody who maybe watched it when it first came out at the time and like I would like to know how scary it was to them because like like older movie older horror movies to me are just kind of silly and it's only because of the effects you know I feel like or like the um the choices of like zooming in on the door and I'm just like okay this is a little bit dramatic but good try Mm -hmm. and it may be just because like we're we have so many different ways of showing that now or that are a little that um are more high quality so it wasn't like creepy to me um but I still thought it was really well done and really well adapted um and I enjoyed it I enjoyed it a lot it was a fun little movie Mm, yeah what did you think of it I had the exact opposite reaction yeah (laughs) yeah I loved it I just like a fucking banger I love this movie um I found it kind of like deeply chilling and disturbing um really I did I think I, I thought that it was I thought the cinematography was phenomenal I felt like the effects in this adaptation were incredible I think that just for 1963 there was a lot of attention to like what camera angles things that you wouldn't yeah. think about in 1963 that I really appreciated even more so than I do a lot of modern horror to the extent that I went out and I was telling my boyfriend about it and I was like I think this scared me more than any modern horror film has really? with maybe the exception of some of Jordan Peele's work because it felt so much more like the music was excellent first of all like they had a really great good, soundtrack yeah. that I feel like when you have good music to set the tone of a film like that makes a big difference but then you know like I think about like the early 2000s era of horror I think of maybe not like not not like some of the classics but definitely like insidious and some of like the new modern horror that we watch today that is like in my opinion incredibly cheesy and shitty Mm -hmm. um and in it just it it struck such a chord for me like and and not just that it was so sexy like it was like the sexiest (laughs) movie ever like without even meaning to be like Claire Bloom as Theodora. Ah! Oh, yeah, I, she's great. Yeah, and she was so, oh, she was so gay. Like, she was queer. She was a queer woman yeah. in this movie. Like, there's this whole scene where Eleanor basically accuses her of being unnatural. And it's like, and that's, it, it means what it means. It is what yeah. it is. There's no other interpretation of it. Like, it, Correct. she's yeah. a queer woman. And, and, and not just that, but she's like, and I'll talk about this more when I talk about my peak. She's a queer woman who doesn't die at the end. So Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> it, it was yeah. just so good. I there were so many times, like explicitly, um, I think about when um something was laughing maniacally through the walls, um, and mm-hmm. then the hand holding scene and mm-hmm. um the scene at the very end where right before she hits the tree, she sees the doctor's wife. Um yeah. or like when she looks up and she sees the doctor's wife through the through the um like the when she opens the door the top, yeah. yeah oh my god I was just so into it I was like watching it at home by myself in the night and I had like a nightmare last night about it because oh, no. I thought I just thought it was so well done like the lighting oh like so good and then I think about like the 1999 adaptation which was very CGI oh, I, that. I think just like to the extent that I think some like what I loved about the what I think is the marvel about the haunting is it uses a lot of like classic filmmaking and like techniques and effects and I just so appreciate that in comparison to like I don't know like 
the fucking nun lady from the nun like i'll take <laughs> yeah. it any day it was i like i have nothing but praise for that movie i literally today when i was sitting here like getting ready to do this i was like i should watch it again <laughs> like, <laughs> it just made me feel so scared like i really like a couple times when Vishwa was like opened up the door last night and i like jumped because i was like i'm watching a scary movie like, <laughs> oh so good yeah well like don't get me wrong i like i thought it was a good film mm. like i thought like especially for the time i thought it was really well done it just they just don't creep me out as much mm. and yeah. i don't I, I just i don't know if it's just because it's like as a different ways of filmmaking which again still well done but like like the pounding on the the walls that they hear mm. at night i'm just like okay sound effects <laughs> like mm. like it's i think what's scarier to me is like a realistic like I'm actually knocking mm. on your wall then like the really big like almost like gong sound that they had oh I love that film. that scared well, me it, for really <laughs> yeah I was like wow like like that's like because it sounds like it down it sounds like they're hitting something that maybe it's just like going through the whole house and echoing and I love that like I was like ooh, like the fact that I had a little bit of a twang to it like a little bit of a note to it scared me yeah like I was like oh like interesting the fuck is that yeah I absolutely <laughs> I'm like I'm a diehard fan of like old horror films old haunted house films like they're oh they're so good yeah Ooh, and I think also not to like ramble about this but I just like big big passion about this like I think like movies that are like horror films in black and white sometimes are scarier fun fact like I think (laughs) about like the lighthouse um which is like a24 um and it's like high key disturbing and I feel like I wouldn't find it as disturbing if it was in you know color because it, it forces you to use your imagination you know yeah I watched the lighthouse <laughs> I think I laughed through most of it but it had like I, I think I have to watch it again because I feel like I don't give that movie enough justice because I I don't know that, that maybe it's because I watched it with Sam and like her and I like to laugh at a lot of stuff together. But like that movie, I need to rewatch it. I need to I need to rewatch it for what it is mm. because I remember thinking, I don't get it. <laughs> so I mean, maybe that's me. That's kind of I feel like A twenty four is famous for films where it's like you just kind of you're like, huh. <laughs> I think uh, the ending was what did it for me. I was just like, why are we, what are we, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so cool. It's such a cool, fun <laughs> film and not at all disturbing as fuck. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Interesting. Um, no, that's, that's cool to know about you. We have very different views on those types of stuff. It's fun. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So coming back to our peaks then, I can talk a little bit about my first one. Um, mm-hmm. I think for me, what makes The Haunting of Hill House, the novel, so horrifying is that it forces us to confront a very dreary reality one that feeds on fear and loneliness and isolation um so like no matter how eleanor tries to fight back against this reality with these visions of contentment of friendship romance new beginnings etc it doesn't matter the house has singled her out and isolated her there's nothing she can do to move on from that and as we've been saying that hopefulness is ultimately something that isn't enough to fight back against the house's darkness um lee mandelo uh writes about this in in um this really great essay puts it into words a little better than i could eleanor is isolated in terms of her sense of self her personal agency her independence and as a result has no grasp of her sense of sexuality affection or relationships Mm. that aren't dependent and forced she is as we see on her drive up to hill house prone to long fantasies 
and flights of imagination. She lies habitually since she doesn't have stories of her own to tell, but she's willing to admit there's nothing for, oh, for or of Eleanor that she has the right to call her own until the moment of her suicide when she thinks, I'm really doing it. I'm really doing it all by myself. At last, this is me. I'm really doing it by myself. And like, yeah, like that's exactly right. Um, she has nothing for that, herself. I literally, I'm starting to cry. That's really <laughs> it's sad. It's really sad. Oh my God. It's really sad because she really doesn't have anything for herself. And I really, like, I feel like if you're somebody who's ever been isolated, like I can't stress this enough, that's jarring to read. Like if you've ever spent your life um, just away from other people, either sheltered because of like either your living conditions, your family, poverty, mental health, just your own choice. If you've ever been isolated in your life and you go out into the real world and you have to do real people things, it is really fucking difficult because um, you have to kind of put on this fake sense of self that is completely underdeveloped. And I mean, that's there's like a sense of a likeness that I felt having felt that isolation before reading that. And that's what made me feel like even more frightened by this book. I was like, oh, I chillingly relate to that sense <sighs> of like feeling deeply isolated and, and a little like sheltered from things not so much anymore but you know when I was younger when I was Mm -hmm. you know coming out of school when I was going to college things like that and it's really sad you know yeah yeah sorry no I know it hits it's very sad yeah Yeah. it it hits man um and I feel like because you've never had the opportunity to create your own lived experiences it's so much easier to dive straight into your own manufactured fantasies instead of living in the present which is exactly what she does and you see that and over over again like it just like makes me sad like I feel like when I was in school like when I was living in a really bad home situation I did that I was like I'm gonna dream about this thing that's better than the life I'm living now and that was like my escape from reality and I feel like whenever I read this book I go back there and in my head and I'm like god that sucks it's like we were saying it's like <laughs> which bad thing do you want the bad thing or the other bad thing no you cannot have the cool the cool fun fake reality created for yourself no no you can't have that you know what I mean so Ugh. yeah and then like you take somebody I just thinking about this like you take somebody who's already that vulnerable and you put them in a place that's got really bad vibes it's like the equivalent yeah. of being in liminal space. It's like completely unearthing to be there. You, you probably experience derealization. You're probably like, oh, this is what real life is. It's this. And you ha- you, it's the only thing you've ever known in your life aside from your life taking care of your mom. So you accept it and then you accept it so much that it draws you in. And then, you know, you kind of, that's how you learn about her fate is that's kind of what happens to her is, is it draws her in and then she dies. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really like, I've done a lot of like journaling about this book and writing and it always comes back to that for me is it's terrifying to me how isolated she is that this is all she will ever have you know yeah like her white lines will only ever be like a figment of her imagination she'll never have her cup of stars you know what I mean yeah (laughs) (laughs) and that's horrifying that's scary that's not scary in the way that like you know other things are scary it's genuinely like it's not like I say this later on, but it's not like it doesn't scare you like Michael Myers or like the Universal Halloween Horror Nights would. It's nothing like that. It's not overt. It's not obvious. It's horrible. It's horrifying because it's horrible. You know. I think I'm just now getting the book. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like 
It's not about the ghost. It's about the ghost within yourself. You it know? is. <laughs> like, and confronting that. And then just the coming to terms with the isolated life that you've had and, like, not being able to have an escape. Mm-hmm. Fuck Shirley Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. What? Oh. Oh, no. It gets me. I love it when I, I love it when, like, okay, I finished this book yesterday and, like, I'm like, cool. Okay, cool. Uh, cool book about a haunted house, I guess. And then you really start to sit with it, like, on the podcast that you're yeah. recording. <laughs> And then you suddenly get the realization, like, hey, hey, come here. It's more about the ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> it's more than the it's ghosts. It's more than the ghosts. And, uh, oh. And that's the central theme for most horror, right? Is it's more than the, it's more than the ghosts. Having a crisis. Or it's like the... Oh, it's always more or, than the or ghosts. Or it is about yeah. the ghosts, but the ghosts... Oops, I almost lost my microphone. It's more about... It's about the ghosts, but the ghosts represent something. So, yeah. yeah it's... Ooh, wolf, wolf, bark, bark, meow. You know? Ah, um, but what did you? What else did you like about this book? <laughs> <laughs> well, after that crisis, um, I thought the writing in general, even though my brother just got the force of it, um, was just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the imagery was perfect, and not only being able to picture the house and the scenes uh, so perfectly, but the feelings of uneasiness in mm-hmm. Eleanor. There's a moment in the book where Eleanor starts listing facts about herself, almost as if, it, as if she's reassuring herself that she is, in fact, real mm-hmm. and alive. And she also keeps saying, like, Theo, like, we're actually here. We're here in Hill House. Mm-hmm. And Theo's like, yeah, girl, let's yeah. go. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> and Eleanor's like, no, but don't you get it? We're here. <laughs> like, she has to reassure herself, like, where she is and what's mm-hmm. happening. And um, that these things are actually happening to her. And just the general, did that actually happen? Or am I is that in my head like the whole like whose hand was Mm -hmm. I holding moment like it's like was that real or not and uh just those feelings were really well written and reading it and I was just like I'm not sure now but let's keep reading to find Mm -hmm. out (laughs) let's get you out of here oh no you never do yeah this poor woman's psyche in this book is so devastating because like it is a lot of did that just happen you know like and you yeah. find yourself asking the same thing, and that's what makes her so great is she's kind of this unreliable narrator where you're like, you don't know if what actually happened actually happened. Yeah, I love an unreliable narrator. Yeah, like Guillermo del Toro told, talks about this a lot in the foreword of this book, which is something he does at my rendition, or my copy of the book, by the way, is he tells Guillermo mm-hmm. del Toro shows up and he's like, hey. Um, and that's what he says. He's like, <laughs> hey. he's like, what's chilling is that Shirley Jackson is genuinely just like kind of like or saying that Eleanor is maybe she's experiencing these things or maybe it's all in her head either the house is haunted or she's insane it's one of the two and I'm like uh yeah. or maybe it's both you know and I think I think it's probably closer to that um yeah and I feel like that's kind of why I like in in the book when Dr. Montague is like you guys didn't uh research this house before you yeah. came and like the three of them are like nah and they're like what should we know and he's like well I'm not gonna tell you right now <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you tomorrow so this doesn't like skew anything for you guys right. because I feel like when you know you're in a haunt in a haunted house, you're gonna whether you mean to or not, you're gonna be hearing stuff. You're gonna yeah. be seeing stuff because your your mind knows like there could be ghosts here, right. and you hear one little noise, and you're like, is that a ghost or is this house just a hundred and two hundred years old? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when you convince your friend that she's taking an edible, but it's actual just like a regular gummy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think for me, the book, what I love about this book is it's like, it's gay. It's a gay book. Like, 
Sure this was. Book was written in the 1950s, 19, early 1960. It was like 1959, 1959 I think. Yeah. It was. And it's gay. Um, sci fi from the Sci Fi Channel, uh, Sci Fi Wire has an article called The Lasting Importance of Haunting of Hill House's Theodora that is really mm-hmm. good because it describes the character's queerness and Nell's and how they're represented in the book versus its two film adaptions and then finally in Flanagan's uh, Netflix series. So something Sarah Century, who wrote this article, says is that discussions of barrier gaze and the many brutal deaths of queer characters are ongoing. But in that conversation, Theo stands out for being an imperfect, infallible queer woman consistently being subjected to life-threatening situations, yet still walking away from them, evolving rather than fading away. And that really sticks with me, um, because if you don't know, the barrier gaze trope for folks at home uh, is when a prominent queer character is killed off early in the narrative. Um, mm-hmm. It's something we most recently saw, and there's been some discussion about with House of Dragons um, and generally like everything else. Uh, because like, oh no, one thing about being gay is you die a lot in like <laughs> every mainstream movie where you're there. Yeah, you know? they're like, look, we have representation for two episodes. <laughs> they said, <laughs> look, you have representation. And in the grave, like, woo, oh, good no. luck. Um, yeah. Um, so, like, I love that because she is so valuable to queer audiences because of her resilience. Um, there's a lot of negative portrayals of queer women, especially in, like, early literature. Um, but she's brave and she's got, like, she's stylish. She's intellectual. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very intuitive. Like, she is, she's, she's the blueprint, you know? She is the moment. Yeah. She's an icon. Um, <laughs> and, like, she's an enduring queer f- female who doesn't end up dead at the end of the book. It's great. It's a great, like, I yeah. read it, th- and then I remember just thought, this, I looked, looked at the year it was, like, written in eight times, and I was like, Shirley! Like, <laughs> well, like, I was reading it, and I was just like, hello? Like, I have, I was looking at the notes that I took during this, and there's a line where Eleanor goes like she is lovely Eleanor thought turning to look I wish I were lovely and I was like hello yeah and then Theo goes fellow babe in the woods let's go exploring and I was like hello mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's a there's a scene where uh they're just holding hands and I just my only note was the pride flag and I was just like this is happening this is great it was happening <laughs> this is such a I wasn't expecting it for such an older novel which is uh very surprising a wonderful surprise Syracuse University alum they know what's up when they write novels is she an SU alum? What is happening? I open up Tumblr, and for if you live in the D.C. area, and you open up Tumblr, and do you get the same fucking Pepco uh, <laughs> thing, like, every time you open the app? Um, because if so, uh, let's talk, and let's gang up on Pepco. Why is that happening to you? I don't know. But what were you saying? My apologies. Oh, I said Shirley Jackson's an SU alum? She is an SU alum. She's my Go favorite orange. SU alum. Like when I got to SU, I didn't. I was know like do do do, and they were like Joseph R. Biden, and I was like yeah sure, and then they were like Mike Tirico, and I was like yeah all right okay, and then they were like Vanessa Williams, and I was like oh, mm. and then they were like Shirley Jackson, and I was like yeah, like like stomping ground. Ah, I love that woman. Yep, yes she is. That's so fun. Yeah, I fucking love her. Yeah. My favorite SU alum. She actually transferred <laughs> from, I think, was it BU? She transferred from somewhere. 
And she was like, I don't like it. And then she went to SU, and that's where she met her husband. And I just think, yeah, that's nice. She was at the University of Rochester. Oh. And then she was also in SU. U of R. Okay, okay. Yeah. U of R, baby. We love that. I, why did I get Boston from U of R? Hmm. Predicament of why I don't understand geography. But the reason I got on Tumblr is because I wanted to find a line from the movie, and it's where uh, they're sitting in the dining hall, and uh eleanor says what are you afraid of to theo and theo says um of knowing what i really want and yeah i will take that with me to my grave i will take that with me to my fucking grave bitch like that's a solid line (laughs) like i'm like gay (laughs) yeah (laughs) like of course she does of course she does of knowing what she really wants of knowing what she really wants Mm. yeah yeah. Anyway, I love, I love this book. I love Theo. I love that Theo Kovic continues to exist as a lesbian canonically all the way up into 2022 through Mike Flanagan series. Mm-hmm. It's all so. It's she is very important to me. So <laughs> she's very special to me. Yes. So what did you not like about this book, Caitlin? Um, like most of my valleys on this show. I would like to say this is a me problem. Yeah. This has nothing to do with the book. Okay. This is a great book. I loved it so much. Um, but this was the first horror novel that I read or spooky novel. Um, cause I feel like it's, it's not, I wouldn't say Hill House is horror. It's more like gothic and spooky, mm. I guess. Um, but so when I was reading it, I was like, all right, let's see if reading can make me all scared and uncomfy. Mm-hmm. And I can safely say I was not spooked at all <laughs> by this book. <laughs> uh, I still really enjoyed it. I love the story. Had a great time. I was just hoping that I could read something and for me to be like, eh, oh, no, mm-hmm. like scary. Like I want I wanted to feel those feelings. And for this, I was just like, this is a cool story. Mm-hmm. Next. So like I, I just personally wasn't spooked but i don't think that has anything to do with the story it's more of just what is going to actually scare me yeah what your what your preferences are for experiencing fear yeah yeah i get that so this book didn't do it for me uh fear wise but still really well done mm. how about you what was your valley my valley is this book did dead scare me like nice <laughs> not like a valley like it's kind of my peak but also it's my valley because like i need to get sleep at night and i can't do that if i'm up in the middle of the night like listening to every sound in my face and being super hypersensitive to that <laughs> which is exactly yeah. what happened to me last october when i read this book for the first time um mm-hmm. because like i said before like this book it's not overtly frightening like it's not like Mm-hmm. Ooh, like there's a guy and he's like boogie you know it's like this book scares me because there's <laughs> he's like boogie there's no like <laughs> i don't know there's no like face that you can't put a face to what scares you like there's right. no ghost character there's no ghost figure this is the mistake that i think that the 1999 version of this this uh of the haunting did made was 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 just putting this cgi motherfucker on everything um that's stupid but what like, there's nothing overt or obvious about the horrors of this book. This book doesn't tell you to be scared. It lets you read it and then right. scare yourself. Um, That's what it should be. Like, the holding hand scene, I remember reading that for the first time. I remember reading about the knocking. I remember reading about Eleanor, come home. Eleanor, I remember reading all of those things and just being really freaked out in my house. And, like, be, <laughs> reading it late at midnight while my partner was asleep and just not having a good time. Like... 
<laughs> and that takes a lot because I'm not really somebody who gets like who typically gets scared. Like I can watch like a horror film and be like, oh yeah, you know, like I used to be mm-hmm. kind of scared of horror films. I've recently become somewhat like I've noticed that when I actually do watch them, I'm like, uh, you know, this did it. This yeah. fucked with me. Like, ah, uh, I I really like this book. It's it it's like maybe my favorite horror book of all time. Like nice. maybe my favorite of all time. Yeah. So love that for you. So we we talked a little bit about our peaks, our valleys. It's time for us to rate the book. How many journeys ending and lovers meeting would you give this book on a scale of one to five? First of all, I love the repetition of that throughout the book. Oh, yeah. I think I highlighted everyone. I wish I counted them. But I just, there, there's something about it and it made me sad. Um, if anything, this book made me really sad. <laughs> um, especially uh, now that I've had more time to think about it. But I give it four out of five journeys ending and lovers meeting i thought it was a really cool story the writing alone makes me want to read more of shirley jackson's work i did read the lottery uh beforehand but other than that uh i haven't read a lot of her stuff so i do want to read more Mm -hmm. and um i kind of want to try out some more haunted type books Mm -hmm. to see if I continue to like them but I don't know this one kind of takes the cake for me Mm. I say is this is the only horror (laughs) novel that I've read so far so uh setting a really high bar I really enjoyed it again more sad than scary for me but that's okay I really liked it yeah how about you um a hundred million bajillion for me Uh, (laughs) as we already know I'm obsessed with this book it's one of my all-time favorite horror novels I love Shirley Jackson I love her mind I love this book I feel like everything that I could say, I don't have, like, the energy or um, maybe, like, articulation to tell you. But I can tell you I love this book like I love Mary Shalons Frankenstein. I love this book like I love Bronte's Wuthering Heights or Anne Rice's Interview with a Vampire or Jackson's The Lottery or We Have Always Lived in a Castle or American Psycho. Um, women know how to do horror like no one else because they live it every day in one way or another. And that really... That really fucks me, man. Yeah. Like... I and yeah horror is one of my favorite genres and Shirley's doing it like no one else like thanks girl thanks for the memes she really did it thank you (laughs) thanks for being one of my favorite ghost best friends Shirley (laughs) Shirley's actually here with us now (laughs) she actually fucking is what's that Shirley she says go orange because she's an SU alum in case you forgot already So that's our show. Thank you. Yay. Thank you for listening to Lip of Moonlight. Tune in next time when all work and no play makes Emberlin a dull boy with Stephen King's The Shining. Ooh.